In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. We journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution want to take a minute to thank our subscribers. Because of your support, we were able to make this podcast available to everyone. Our reporting and local journalism is because of subscriber support of our newspaper. If you are not a print or digital newspaper subscriber, join us. Go to AJC.com and sign up today. Thank you, and continue to follow our reporting in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and online at AJC.com. And today, we're joined by AJC Capital Correspondent Tia Mitchell to talk about the biggest news of the week by far, which was the passage and the signing into law of the $1.9 trillion stimulus measure um, that really would never have been this expansive if not for Georgia's Senate runoff wins. Tia, how are you doing? How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. Of course. And let's talk about this because it, it does really start and end with Georgia. I mean, we both covered the final weeks of the campaign trail in the Senate runoff contest when John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock both said, hey, if you guys elect me, if we get elected to the U.S. Senate, you'll get $2,000 checks in total. You'll get an expansive stimulus package. Um, you'll get direct aid. You'll get higher unemployment benefits. You'll get all these, you know, extension of unemployment benefits. You'll get all these incentives. Uh, they, they directly tied their campaigns um, to what just happened over the last few days. Yeah. And I mean, Georgia may be the highest profile example in recent history of the statement we hear all the time that elections have consequences. But usually that's really in the abstract. Most elections, um, you know, one person isn't seen as making a difference in the grand scheme of things, you know. And a lot of people at home often say, you know, these politicians are all the same, so it really doesn't matter who we elect because, you know, they're all the same at their core. But I think that... You know, seeing the difference um, that Ossoff and Warnock's victories have had is just a stark realization that elections do matter. And and because we knew that both of them had to win for, you know, the Senate control to flip. And that was a big stretch for Georgia. 
And they won on, you know, they won and they won decisively, but it wasn't huge margins that they won, you know. And so it could have easily gone the other way. And if either of them had lost, we would not be talking about the stimulus of this size. And perhaps there may not have been another round of stimulus at all. We know that if Republicans had um, been able to control the conversation, whether by having a majority in the Senate or, you know, if they had kept the White House, there definitely would not have been state and local aid. If there would have been stimulus checks, they wouldn't have been anywhere near $1,400. And a lot of the policies that are in the bill, such as new tax credits for parents, um, grants for farmers of color, um, those type of things would not have been in the conversation. So those runoffs in Georgia had clear consequences. You're exactly right. And um, there might have been a stimulus package. It would have been a lot more modest no matter what. I mean, Republicans voted in lockstep in opposition. Not a single Republican in either chamber voted for this measure, including the entire Republican delegation in Georgia, of course, uh, uh, voted against these, these stimulus plans. But um, if you remember the last few weeks of the, of the, um, of the campaign for, for Senate, President Trump then was pushing Republicans to offer a more robust stimulus check, direct payments of uh, the total $2,000, um, whereas um, Purdue and Leffler had both backed like uh, more, uh, you know, more rolled back. I think it was $600 checks. And they were forced at the very end to say, OK, yeah, we, we back President Trump. Yeah, it was another example of President Trump kind of, you know, inflicting as much harm as he did good for Leffler and Purdue, because what President Trump did was he did not, his administration was not active in that last round of stimulus during his tenure in office. So, you know, the House and the Senate, you know, the Senate was motivated to do something, to have some type of check. But again, they couldn't, you know, Republicans were not willing to go big. And so the House, the Democrats lead the House. They wanted to go bigger all along. $600 stimulus checks was all they could get with working with Republicans. And so they worked out this compromise. The $600 checks were a compromise because Republicans were basically wanting zero in stimulus. Remember, um, Senator Perdue had even made comments um, that stimulus weren't his favorite thing. You know, he would vote for him, but he would also make statements saying, you know, he felt that there were things that would more, were more useful and would have larger impact than direct checks. And so, but after this compromise, after the $600 checks, and then of course, Leffler and Purdue, one of the reasons why Republicans agreed to the compromise, because they did give Kelly um, Leffler and David Purdue something to say they did. And then even after all this work, all this compromise, then President Trump wants to say, oh, the checks should have been larger. And number one, that muddied the message from Leffler and Purdue, who were supposed to be able to celebrate saying, hey, we at least got you something. But it also showed how Trump was more about talk and messaging than he was actual actually doing the work. Because if he had really wanted higher checks, he could have said so 
when negotiations were happening, and perhaps that would have influenced Republicans to go higher. But because he waited until after the compromise was you know, headed to his desk, it was more about the talk and the messaging, not about really did he want to get involved in the work. Yeah, and it was a salient message for the Democrats in the in the home stretch. There was billboards around Atlanta that basically said, Two thousand dollar checks, question mark, vote Democrat. So it was it was their closing message really on the campaign trail. Um, as as uh, their strategist said, like, look, you know, there was to to a broad degree, they were ignoring Trump. I mean, even after the Raffensburger tape came out, I was I was kind of you know surprised by this. Um, you know, I think it was Ossoff made a maybe quick mention of it at a campaign stop, but they were focusing on the stimulus. They knew it would, could be a winning issue. And polls in Georgia at the time, and, and they still do, show broad support for all those ideas. And that, yeah, I was going to say that's right. And it's interesting because I think Democrats looked at the polling and saw that it was a winning issue, not just among their base. You know, even Republicans like a little extra money in their pocket, you know. So the stimulus checks were something that was not polarizing the way perhaps some of the other things Ossoff were not as polarizing, uh, not as partisan as perhaps some of the things that Ossoff and Warnock were also campaigning on, which is another reason why I think it became such a focus for them. Yeah, and look, and there was the message when Vice President-elect Harris and Vice President-elect Vice uh, President-elect Biden at the time both came down to Georgia. That was their message too: get this done, and we'll we'll sign this bill into law. And it and it happened, but it took a a high wire act from Democrats who could not afford a single defection in the U.S. Senate because of because of lockstep Republican opposition, and they couldn't afford too many defections in the House. And we look, we knew from the get go that Ossoff and Warnock were obviously on board, um, but navigating that among the the chamber's more moderate Democrats was really tough, but they got it done and they got it done a couple of days ahead of, of President Biden's self-imposed deadline. That's right. And, you know, it did get touch and go in the Senate last um, weekend. You know, we had Senate, Senator Manchin from West Virginia, who's pretty conservative, you know, for a Democrat. And uh, he was able to derail this delicate dance that Senate Democrats were doing for several hours um, Friday, um, last Friday. And so it was because he was not ready to go along with what Democrats were wanting to do. And uh, again, his vote was crucial because that the Senate needed all 50 Democrats, you know. Um, And so it showed that just one person could kind of throw everything off and they spent hours negotiating with him. Now, the good thing is he was, his posture was get me to a place where I'm a yes, not I'm a no convince, change my mind. But even then to keep him as a yes took several hours of negotiating, just several hours of complete, you know, they didn't move. There was nothing happening. Just how do we get Manchin back on board? And that just showed that it's going to be tough moving forward for, you know, Democrats to get other things negotiated because one person can throw it off. Yeah. Well, Georgians will start seeing the immediate impacts of these of these measures. Let's talk about um, what they mean for, for folks. Um, first off, um, 
White House officials say that um, some people will start receiving the stimulus checks as soon as this weekend in their bank accounts if they have direct deposit um, access. And so, so some folks will start get, having this cash infusion very soon. Um, also, it amounts to about what eight point two billion dollars in direct aid for state for for Georgia's state government and local governments all across the state, which for some cities. And, and metro Atlanta cities and counties means tens of millions of dollars. And for the state government means a whole new pot of cash in which, as we noted in the jolt a couple of days ago, there was a late amendment that said they cannot, the state cannot use this money to cut taxes. Right. And that's, that's key. You know, Democrats did this amendment because in, they said, you know, we don't want states to just take the money and, and cut taxes. You're supposed to use the money to hire people, to set up clinics so people can be vaccinated, to, you know, to fill in, perhaps pay down some of your debt so you don't have such big ballooning um, interest payments, you know. But I think Democrats also reading between the lines, worried that tax cuts wouldn't be equitable, especially in states where we know that Republicans are in control. Their tax cuts tend to benefit businesses and not necessarily individuals all the time. Um, so instead of giving that flexibility that, you know, Democrats worried perhaps those tax cuts wouldn't really impact working class or um, or people living, you know, near or at the poverty line, they said just that's not what you can use your money for. But that's thrown a wrench in Georgia's plan because it they've been saying they hope they get stimulus so they can cut taxes. Um, and Georgia was planning on cutting income tax. But again, if the people who pay the highest income taxes have the highest incomes. So um, that's throwing a wrench in Georgia's plan. Um, right now, it looks like Georgia's going to have to come up with another way to spend the money and not use it on tax cuts. Yeah, let's talk about the overall numbers. That's $350 billion overall for states, cities, tribal governments, and U.S. territories. There's $20 billion in emergency rental assistance and other relief. There's $130 billion or so for to help um, schools reopen, and you know that money would go to improving ventilation systems, reducing class sizes, PPE, social distancing. Colleges would receive an almost forty billion dollars, and then you know for for to pare this down to for regular folks under the legislation, most Americans would receive three thousand dollars a year for each child ages six to seventeen, and thirty six hundred dollars. A year for each child under six. That is seen as a major step in reducing child poverty. Yeah. And that's going to be interesting because Democrats would like that tax credit to be permanent. Um, And so this is almost like a test drive of that. Number one, a test drive to see if it does help pull families out of poverty. And also a test drive to see if there are benefits, you know, if they pull families out of poverty, but really balloon the national debt without stimulating the economy, it'll be harder to keep that going after a couple of years. But if the data shows that by pulling families out of poverty, you're actually creating more workers and helping to drive the economy, then maybe they will be able to justify that, hey, these tax credits 
actually help us overall because fewer people are on welfare, fewer people need safety nets, um, fewer people are using the government for other services, plus they're working and paying taxes and things like that. So this is a grand experiment, this this child tax credit that we'll be watching really closely. It's also President Biden's biggest accomplishment, biggest legislative accomplishment. It might be the biggest accomplishment of at least the next um, year or so in terms of legislation um, because it's so expansive. And he's taking a victory tour that will include a visit to Georgia next week on Friday, ostensibly to thank Georgia voters for making this possible. But it's also becoming a really sharp dividing line ahead of 2022 elections. Because even though, as we mentioned, voters are broadly, at least in polls show, they're broadly supportive of of this idea. Republicans vow to exact revenge on Democrats for passing it. They say that it's too too much money, it's too much wasteful spending, it's not targeted. And particularly in Georgia, the line from Governor Kemp has been relentless, and that's that Georgia got a short shrift. He calls it a blue state bailout because states like California and New York with higher unemployment rates got more from this this formula that, um, at the expense of Georgia. So, yeah, and, and I do think, you know, Republicans are sitting back and they're going to watch this stimulus play out. And one of the things they're watching for and that they've warned of is that, you know, this is a lot of money and it's going to increase the national debt. It's increasing deficit spending. And they wonder if long term that's going to be, you know, not a good thing for uh, taxpayers and in future generations. However, that's an if. Again, stimulus also can, you know, the word stimulus to stimulate If this spending actually helps stimulate the economy and businesses are making money the way previous rounds of stimulus have helped, then that will possibly negate some of the lingering criticism. So it's a gamble for Republicans right now. They're hoping eventually that, you know, down the road, they'll be able to say, see, I told you so. And again, that's something we won't know for months, if not years. Now, I do think Governor Kemp's argument, it resonates with his base. I don't know if his particular argument is going to hold up long term because he's saying Georgia was short termed. But again, if Republicans had their way, Georgia would have got zero. So, yes, he can argue, well, I wanted a different formula that gave Georgia more than eight point two billion. But if his party had been in charge, Georgia would have got zero. And I think Democrats, you know, you noted that they're being they're going on their victory tour. We've got not just President Biden and Vice President Harris traveling to Atlanta, but all of our congressional delegation members. And it's going to eventually eventually trickle down to our state legislators and our um, county and city officials. They're going to be walking around saying, here's all what's coming to us and here's what we're going to do with it. And it's going to be hard for Kemp to say, you know, well, if my party wasn't, you know, they're going to say Democrats did this because Republicans wanted zero. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, uh, Democrats will be it will be easy for them to campaign on this. For Republicans, it's a lot harder to campaign on opposing this. They'll, they'll find other issues. Um, and again, who's to say this will be a huge issue at this point next year? Remember, you know, we had a, <laughs> at this point 
Last year, all the talk was about how impeachment would would affect the presidential race, and that was com- completely uh, overwhelmed by the coronavirus pandemic and everything else that happened over the next few months. Um, but right now, we do know that it is it is already a political issue that is at least driving discourse today. And I think, as you mentioned, you know, we'll see what the economic impact is. I already have a lot of friends who are planning on using their their that new cash on going on trips. You know, it might not be the best use of that new cash, but they they want you know they've been locked up for the, for the most part, stuck at home during the coronavirus pandemic, <clears throat> and things are starting to open up. And that's what President Biden highlighted also. And his Thursday night address talking about the coronavirus stimulus package saying that, look, you know, by, by May 1st, he wants all, um, uh, all states to direct, uh, to allow uh, adults over 16 to uh, over 18 to get, uh, the vaccines, to be eligible for the vaccines. And by July 4th, uh, looking at, um, allowing small gatherings all over again. Um, so that, that's a major shift. And in Georgia, we saw the eligibility for vaccines boost dramatically. Um, it will start next week. <clears throat> but Governor Kemp said that basically every, every adult over 55 and all those with high-risk conditions can get the vaccine. Well, in Georgia, his definition of high-risk means people who are overweight, who are obese, who have heart conditions, who have, who have high blood pressure, and who have all sorts of other more serious illnesses like, like cancer and immune deficiencies. So that is a huge swath of Georgia. One federal study estimates that 65% of Georgians are, are overweight or obese. So we're talking about three plus million more people added to the vaccine eligibility rolls. So very big changes happening with the vaccine in Georgia that will start opening up the economy even more. Yeah. And I also I do want to go back to the stimulus checks, because, again, there is this talking point that, you know, well, do people really need the money if they're using it for leisure or for fun or for shopping? But that's literally the point. Stimulus. They the checks are supposed to stimulate the economy spending. It's the 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 government powers that be the economists will say they'll they'll complain if too many people just take the check and put it in their bank account because that to them is the least, you know, um, effective way of stimulus because you're just swirling it away. So if people are using the checks to spend, whether it's food, um, bills, um, paying their rent, um, buying clothing, buying electronics, Again, that is the purpose of the stimulus checks. Now, again, people are going to have their own opinions over what's good spending and what's bad spending. So I'm not making an opinion. But the fact that the checks will be spent on goods, products, services is kind of the point, even though, again, that often becomes political. You, you got it. You hit on the, the, uh, an economic philosophy, the paradox of thrift. Um, thriftiness and saving money is good on the micro level and bad on the macro level. America's economy, economy for better or for worse, depends on people spending more money than they have. And that is why, you know, as much as it makes sense to save money, um, the, the economists behind this really want you to go spend it. Exactly what you said, Tia. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll have so much more to talk about, including President Biden's visit um, next week, next Friday, where he comes to promote this this new stimulus bill that that is his first major legislative accomplishment. That's right. 
Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening. Hip hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.